Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sailorville podcast. It's good to have you join us here uh, this afternoon, I guess it is for us. And whenever you're listening to this, thanks for joining us here. Uh, my name is Pastor Paul Seymour. I'm the pastor of music here, one of the elders, and I'm sitting here with my good, good friend, Pastor Kurt DeGraff. He is our counseling pastor here at Sailorville Church and has just uh, opened the Word of God to us this past Sunday, which is why we're here this afternoon. We want to talk about that and uh, flesh that message out just a little bit more with Pastor Kurt. Pastor Kurt, thanks for being here with us today. It is my privilege. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, the message that Pastor Kurt uh, preached on Sunday was um, what many would consider a bit of a harder message, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, it was called the, the Grace of God in Suffering Righteously. And we all uh, have this thing in common for sure, right, Pastor Kurt? In life, we have suffering in common. Everyone's going to do it. Everyone goes through it. And uh, so it's a, it was a timely message for us to hear. And uh, we're going to flesh that out here a little bit. Well, well, you know, often we hear it expressed, and I think it's right, that music is the universal language. Mm -hmm. But so is suffering. Yeah. yeah. There's not a soul that escapes suffering. Yeah. And I'm sure many listening to us today are suffering in a more pronounced kind of way, and we hope that this podcast will be a blessing to you. That's right. Well, Pastor Kurt, uh, as I said uh, to our listeners here, you are the, the pastor of counseling here, and you you head that ministry up quite well. We all appreciate you. I've been a part of uh, Pastor, Kurt, Pastor Kurt's counseling sessions, both him teaching me how to counsel and also being counseled by him, and and very thankful in the ways that I've gone through some suffering myself. But Pastor Kurt, um, what are what are some ways just to let everyone know what are what are some um, common areas of suffering that you see in the counseling ministry? You you tell us about those a lot. Just let the people know what are a lot of the common things that you see even amongst Sayreville Church folks. Often, folks will ask me what do we deal with, and if I had to list maybe the top four things that we address in the counseling office. All of them imply some degree of suffering more than others, perhaps. But number one would be marital discord. Mm. There's a lot of suffering in the home today. Yeah. And we've experienced it ourselves. Nobody can escape it. If you're married, you suffer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, secondly would be anxiety as well as depression. Mm -hmm. There's extreme suffering in that. I alluded to that in my message this past Lord's Day about personal suffering in the arena of depression. And you're no stranger to that as well. We'll, we'll right. talk more about that in a moment. Yeah. I would say thirdly, addictions. We deal with a lot of addictions of a, a variety of, of natures. Um, and, and folks who are addicted, life-dominating sins, they suffer horrifically. Mm -hmm. And frankly, uh, there are tentacles that reach out uh, recently, I'm dealing with guys struggling with pornography addiction. Mm -hmm. They're suffering with guilt, and they're coming to say, how can I be relieved from this bondage in my life? Mm -hmm. But of course, we've got alcohol and drugs and all kinds of things that people are addicted to. And then I would say uh, number four would perhaps be family issues, parenting issues. But there's a lot of other things, anger issues, I mean, you name it, we deal with it in the counseling office. You're one of our great counselors, Pastor Paul, and I'm grateful for you 
So you see some of these things too. What would you say are the things you probably deal with more from your perspective in our counseling ministry? From my perspective, um, I was just, uh, I wrote a few things down before we did this podcast here and you checked most of mine off already, the the ones that you said, because I think there's a lot of just common, uh, the common things float to the top, I think, in the counseling ministry. Uh, For me personally, it's a lot of the anxiety and depression stuff because I've gone through that, as you said. And and for those of you that don't know, Pastor Kurt, we're, we're good friends because we're, we love each other as we're wired the same yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, he much further down the road than, than I am. Not No, no slam on your age there, Pastor yeah. Kurt. Just, he's, seen, he's seen a lot more, been in a lot more ministry. Of <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we're wired uh, in our personalities and in our makeup very similarly. So um, because, and because we're open and, and if you were listen to the sermon on Sunday, you would have known that pastor Kurt was very open about his struggles with mm-hmm. depression and anxiety in his own life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why people come to you, pastor Kurt, and to me as well, because I've tried to be open about those things in, in my uh, ministry and in public ministry myself. So when you're open about the things that you struggle with, people tend to come to you and, and open up to you about those things that they struggle with. So that's what I've seen. Paul, what are the elements of suffering? Those who come to us with depression, anxiety, what are those elements of suffering that they're going through? Uh, boy, it, it, anxiety and depression, I'd say, and I've seen this before and I've said this before, but the, the lack of hope, yeah. right? The the expectation of more suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you when you don't have any hope, when you don't have the when you lose sight of the hope that you have in the gospel then everything becomes dark, right? And that's why we have to focus ourselves on on the scripture of the, the hope that the gospel gives us. In fact, I was uh, I was reading um, some uh, Tim Keller a little bit earlier. Uh, Tim Keller, of course, is a late pastor, just passed away a couple months ago, I believe yeah. it was, uh, and great writer, but he he wrote a work on, on suffering. And he said this, um, this quote from him, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of this world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. Mm, that's good. And I love that because, uh, you know, that element that I was just speaking of, the lack of hope that you sit in the middle of, you know, whatever you're going through, it might be something good, but you're, you're expecting sorrow to come, you know, in this, if you're just focusing on this world. But if you're focusing on the gospel, you can sit in the joys and the sorrows and you can see the joy is coming, right? The greater joy is coming. So um, that that's probably the major element there is is um, lack of lack of hope, lack of focus on the gospel. The weight of the world drowns out the hope that we have when we're not fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who's doing the work to finish his work in us. And that, that personal pain is very pronounced in someone that's in the throes mm-hmm. of depression. It can get very dark. Very dark. Just within the past month or so, I have had contact with at least two of our church families who've had a family member who's committed suicide. Mm-hmm. I debated sharing in my message on Sunday morning uh, my own personal story. Um, my grandfather committed suicide on our family farm mm-hmm. when I was a young man painful beyond my ability to describe. I decided not to go there, but uh, I've got firsthand experience in that kind of depth of pain. And our hearts go out to those of you who are listening, who have had a family member or friend end their life prematurely. And uh, we, we are here to try to help you.
How old were you at that time, Ulysses? I was 20. 20 years old. Wow. And and how did you deal with that then? And in hindsight, how, how would you recommend or advise people to deal with something as hard as that now? It's important to talk about it. Mm-hmm. This was my mother's father, and she needed to process. She had some false guilt about things she could have done. I'm not sure she should have or could have done anything more than she did. Uh, because sometimes people suffer in private. And I think my grandfather was doing that at the time, a very successful farmer. But there were other issues extant in our life at that time. Uh, my grandmother was seriously injured in a uh, truck pedestrian uh, accident. She was the pedestrian. I won't go there. Mm-hmm. Simply to say, we need to talk about it, get it out. And if any of you listening for some reason are having suicidal thoughts, please talk to us. Yeah. Get it out there. Don't suffer in silence, but talk. There is hope. There are answers. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. That's right. And it's important for us to go to the Word of God to gain that hope. You talked about it earlier, Paul. Mm -hmm. That's one of the best things I can share. Yeah. And there is no temptation that's taken us except what is common to man, right? Right. For First Corinthians chapter 10, we say that a lot in the counseling offices, mm-hmm. and, and Pastor Kurt and I have both been open about this. Those those thoughts have crept into our heads they at have. times in our lives, and I think the stigma is, well, you know, it's there's, there's shame in thinking about that, you know, that I can't talk about that because that's a shameful thing. Well, there's no temptation that's taken to you except what is common to man. It's, it's, uh, it's common to other people too, and that's why you're saying, Open up about it. Talk about it. Other people want to walk that road with you. Bear that burden with you. In Christian circles, that's one of the biggest forms of pain is, frankly, that shame, mm. which is really unfortunate. We're all broken people. We're all messed up. We all need help. We all need Christ. That's right. And that's what the body of Christ is for. That's right. Well, you shared a couple of things that you've gone through personally, Pastor Kurt. How about you? of suffering. In addition to maybe depression, anything in your life that, or family life, extended family life that you would speak to? Yeah, just uh, real briefly. I mean, we've gone through times of, uh, and I've shared about this before too, but times of, of sickness in our family. My son had cancer. You know, mm-hmm. we've, I've, we've, we've all lost loved ones, right? We've yeah. lost loved ones recently, uh, lost a grandfather and, and, and the, the changes of life that hits you sometimes. I, I'm a person that I have a tough time when, when things aren't consistent, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's life. Things aren't consistent. Right. But when those, those uh, times of consistency get broken, that's when I really struggle. You know, we, you and I talked about that earlier with summertime. You know, everyone kind of goes separate ways and your routine gets interrupted. And so you, you struggle a little bit. So um, those are some of the things that I've, uh, you know, um, brokenness in family, you know, th- those things are common uh, when, when there's a divorce somewhere in the family and, and loved ones are hurting. That's, that's happened in my, um, in my life, in my family. Um, when there's ministry hurts, you know, you, you and I have gone through those type of things. Uh, when you try to do the right thing and people still throw some slings and arrows at you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, those have the real potential. If your eyes aren't fixed on the right, on the right thing, on the gospel, they have the real potential to drag you down. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of those things are, are, are again, common, common. So, um, well, the, the Bible certainly is not silent on suffering. 
and uh, you definitely brought that out on Sunday. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of the biblical writers that were inspired to write by God, and God is addressing these things with us because He knows He's acquainted with our grief, mm-hmm. right? Uh, scripture tells us, uh, and so He inspired His His writers of the Bible to write about suffering. So, what are some of the things, Pastor Kurt, um, that you would bring out maybe even additionally to what you talked about on Sunday. What what are some of the, the things that God wants us to know about suffering that he's written down for us? On Sunday, I mentioned its importance of having a theology of suffering, mm. which is based upon Scripture. At its root, the reason for suffering is because we live in a sin-cursed world, Genesis chapter 3. For by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Mm-hmm. It's just important to understand the root of it goes back to the fall of man. Mm-hmm. And it's not God's fault. He gave man a free will, made him a free moral agent. And we need to understand that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important from a theological point of view to give people hope that there is a better day coming. Christ is coming back. He's going to take us home. Try these verses on for size. This is Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Mm. May God hasten the day. Mm. That's the hope we have in Christ, and that's the hope we give to people as we share the gospel of Jesus with folks who need to be saved. I would say additionally, uh, we should suffer in a righteous way by following the example of the Lord Jesus And I just want to read you a a few verses that speak about him from 1 Peter chapter 2. And we read these words, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, that is spoken ill of, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but rather continued entrusting himself to him, that is the Father, who judges justly. I just love the example we find in Jesus, as you said, the man of sorrows. Mm -hmm. We look to him, we focus on him, and he gives us hope as we indeed follow his example. And then just really quickly here, I would say um, we need to go back to the text I preached on Sunday from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that this is chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, where where Paul admitted his thorn in the flesh and he was struggling and asking God for help. And he learned the principle that God's grace is sufficient for us in our weakness. We've got to provide the weakness. He'll provide the strength if we'll yield to him and entrust ourselves to him. That's a good passage to cling to. How what about you, Paul? It, Any what passages? It, what, what does it mean real quick, Just just so everyone can really put put flesh on that. What does it mean that God's grace is sufficient for us in those times? Just just flesh that out a little bit. It supplies all of our needs emotionally and mentally and spiritually. It doesn't mean that he takes our problems away 
in that moment. Mm-hmm. Again, we wait for the redemption of the body, which is still to come, but it means he becomes our focus, our center, and he gives us strength and encouragement. Grace is, is divine enablement to bear up, to get through. There's that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 passage you referenced earlier mm-hmm. that we might be able to endure it. He'll give us the strength to endure, to make it through as we look to him and cling to him. I think that's a real uh, important essence of, of the sufficiency of God. That is so good. Um, you know, I, I always think of the word enough, you yeah. know, the sufficiency that his grace is that's what the song says. Your grace is enough. You know, mm-hmm. the song we've sung for a long time, but his grace is enough to, to help us in our time of need to, um, to pull us through those valleys. Uh, for, for myself, back to your question, Pastor Kurt, um, I thought of a couple things along with this question. And I, I, I was also in second Corinthians chapter four, uh, to begin with, but verse uh, 17 and 18, many of you will be familiar with that. Uh, but it says for this, light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient that's passing right but the things that are unseen are eternal Mm. i i love um the language in that where it says uh, you know light and momentary affliction well you know many will listen to that and go well wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what I'm dealing with is not light and it feels like it's going on forever. Yeah. Right. But what the scripture says is it, it refers to as a, a light as light and momentary in comparison, right. To what's coming. The, and, and it says the eternal weight of glory, the, the massiveness of glory of hope that's coming for the believer. Looking back, I think it's kind of giving us a glimpse into that time when we will have hindsight and look back to those struggles and say, compared to what I have, again, this is to give people hope, right? Compared to what I have in eternity, those things were light and they were temporary and they were passing, right? And that's what the believer can hold on to is that there's joy, you know, tears are are lasting for a night, but there's joy coming in the morning. Right? That's that's the eternal perspective. Yes, the eternal yeah, perspective is, is a good word to, to remember here. And the other uh, a, a verse from Psalms I love, uh, Psalm 119, uh, verse 71, uh, it says, uh, it, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Right? I think suffering has that way of focusing our hearts, our minds on as, as believers on the eternal, right? If we let it, if we, if we learn the lesson, um, when we're afflicted as believers, we should run to the father, grab onto the, the hem of his garment as it were. Right. And that's where we should be running. And that's what the psalmist says. It was good for me that I went through this suffering mm-hmm. so that I could turn my face to the one who does have the answers, the, the one who does provide the eternal relief and joy and hope. And so I think a good way to look in, in terms of perspective at suffering is it is a teacher, right? It is a teacher that is, if we learn our lesson correctly, it points our face towards the one that gives us the eternal lasting joy and relief from that suffering as opposed to turning away. It's when you're suffering, oftentimes the 
word of God jumps off the page. Oh, and ministers was like, oh, I needed that. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, and I think a lot of times believers will. I know it's true in my life. I don't want to suffer, but when I do, I hold tighter to God than I do when I'm just floating along. And that's a that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that God is using suffering to draw me back towards him um, when I have those periods of just floating along. <laughs> um, well, we do have, in the midst of suffering as believers, um, we are a part of the church, the true universal church of, of Jesus, right? Uh, we are members of his body and members, if we're obedient, right? Members of the local church, being a part of the local church family. What does the role, Kurt, um, I know you always encourage people to to be active in the local church as scripture mm-hmm. does. Um, so what is the role of the local church when we do face suffering? How does the church, how are we instructed uh, both to look to our brothers and sisters in the church and also to to give to others in suffering as part of the church. Can you speak to that? To use your body analogy, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're various parts of the body, but the scripture tells us there that if one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. Mm-hmm. The classic words were to rejoice with those that rejoice and to weep, weep. with those yeah. that weep. We cannot live life in a silo. Mm-hmm. We, we've got to live in the context of a family. And the other analogy that I love, in addition to the body, is that the church is like a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tanner's here sitting with us, and Paul, you and I are talking. We're members of a family, and we need the family. We love our family, and we do things together as a family. And uh, people need this kind of context to handle the pressures, difficulties of life. And that's what a local church provides. That's why we have community groups, which are starting up here in the relatively near future. We urge people to plug in, yeah. to find a connection, find their people where they can share life's burdens. And I tell you, it, it can make all the difference when you have folks that can help you walk alongside of you, speak truth into your ears when you're hearing other voices, so to speak. It's just crucially important so we we need to to connect yeah uh yeah and that's just just to double down on that uh, encouragement if you're not a part of a a small group a community group here um sailorville church is somewhat of a larger church by many folks standards and Mm so the community groups are one way that it kind of shrinks it down a little bit to to really be able to personally get into each other's lives um i I recently saw someone was giving a, a scientific demonstration and, and there was a, an actual bed of nails and, and the person you can have, you can actually do this. You can lay on this board and uh, about a you, thousand You first, nails. Paul, you first. I will. <laughs> yes. You lay on this board and underneath you, about a thousand nails come up underneath you and lift you up. And it's not painful and it doesn't pierce anything because the weight is evenly distributed mm. on all these nails, right? And it, it's not a perfect analogy, but the, 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 uh, the principle here is that when, when the church comes alongside in a, in a time of suffering, 
in, in Galatians chapter six, what are we commanded to do, mm-hmm. Pastor Kurt? Bear one another's burdens. Bear so one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. So fulfill the law of Christ. So the law of Christ is for us to come alongside and and take that weight and distribute it amongst everyone. We're all we're all taking each other's weight and we're bearing it for each other. Mm-hmm. And and that way we don't get run through, as it were, in that analogy, right? By the suffering. Good illustration, Paul. Um so um that is that is uh, just an encouragement from us to to really dive into that end of of church life here at Sailorville. Let let me ask you a question, Paul. How does the act of singing uh, and, and even attending a what we call commonly a worship service, which is inclusive of preaching, yeah, how does that help us in our suffering? Yeah, I think um, in terms of in terms of just being here amongst the body, right? We're functioning as a body, and when one part of the body hurts, the other parts of the body do what is necessary to ease that suffering, right, in our own bodies. And that's the way it works in the church, too. But you got to be around the church. you got to be with the people. you got to be, if you want someone to rejoice with you or weep with you, you got to be with them, right? And so um, the, the act of just coming together at, at, at a worship service is coming together, hearing the Word of God, hearing the truth in a, in a, in a common setting, rejoicing in it and then being able to share those things that you're walking through and even to hear you pastor kurt from the from the pulpit say here's some things i deal with you know and and someone to say oh pastor kurt struggles with that and has had victory in those areas i can too mm-hmm. you know and and i think that that is a a big part of church life of worship together is the i can too right um i have that hope too uh, i have that assurance as well I have people around me too that will bear my burdens with me, and it's just the the commonality of of grace in in a place where we get together as a body and and function that way. It's a blessing. And what are the what are the thoughts and emotions that are impacted when we sing together? Mm-hmm. Well, I I put it this way, right? So you you referenced earlier, which is funny because I don't think you know I was going to say this, but um, music being a common language, right? And uh, so I, I put it this way that that music is is a common so when we sing it's it's a common language we sing about common struggles we remind each other that we have a common gift we remind each other that we have a common grace in that gift and going back to our earlier point we remind ourselves that we have a common future right wow that's insightful that's where we when we sing songs that's why we're so careful about what we sing in the church Mm -hmm. because we want to make sure that we are reminding um we're not just we're not just doing the vertical again we're not just giving praise and honor and glory to god in, in, in the lord jesus christ which we should we're also singing truth horizontally right we're we're told by scripture to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another right and also making melody in our hearts to the lord but we're told to sing horizontally as well. So common language, common struggles, common gift of salvation, common grace, and we have a common future. And we sing about those things. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing it, because it just, it reminds me of all those things. And I love it. So well said. And we experienced a common problem (laughs) during the third service on Sunday. For those who were in the first and second service, they don't know anything about this. But Paul, 
explain to our <laughs> podcast audience what happened during the third hour. Well, it's a worship leader's dream. What happened? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the third service. Um, so we uh, sang the first song and gave a couple announcements and started singing the second song. And all of a sudden, the, the screens froze. You know, we have the screens with the lyrics on them, and they just froze. And I thought, uh-oh, someone's not paying attention. Something's going on back there. And and some more time went by, and we kept saying, boy, it's not changing. And, and come to find out the computers had crashed. And this, the it, I saw the, the tech folks, and and again, and I did this in the service too. I want to just shout out those guys and ladies that work back there because I said it in the service, the only time anyone ever turns around and acknowledges them <laughs> is when something goes wrong. <laughs> what are you doing? But, uh, you know, they're, they're successful when no one turns around and notices what they're doing because they, they aid us so well in, in studying the scripture and hearing the scripture and singing the, this truth to one another and singing praise to the Lord. They aid us so well. So shout out to to the, the guys and ladies. Including Tanner right now including helping Tanner us here. our sound engineer. That's right, yeah. He doesn't like to be acknowledged. He's like one of the quintessential tech guys. He doesn't like to be acknowledged, but <laughs> he, he makes everything go. And so shout out Amen. to him and, and, and Doug and Lauren and, and, and Julia and people like that, all those people that make things go back there. But back to what happened, it, it kind of all the, all the niceties of the technology that we have sort of kind of crumbled. <laughs> at that point and you know we we stopped for a second and said hey this is what going what's going on but in god's providence there the next two songs we had to sing were very familiar to us and most people from what i understood and, and what i could see were singing out loud and um you know it's funny we were we were the last song we sang was before the message was it is well with my soul right <laughs> and i i was i was tempted to reference there's kind of a meme that goes around on the internet there's a group called worship problems and the meme which is very tongue-in-cheek and there's no truth to it at all but the meme says um no one got saved today fog machine stopped working you know <laughs> the, the false the false implication being that you know technology ha well god can't god can't move without technology you know what's what's going to happen there and the fact is you know god's moved since the beginning of time without the aid of human technology. He uses it, but he doesn't need it. And so um, we had to, as, as you referenced, Pastor Kurt, let you speak to this as well. We had to lay down our weakness, lay down our shortcomings, lay down our uh, the ways that we lean on technology sometimes and, and just say, Lord, do what you want to do. You're sovereign. And, you know, and I've said this before, God's sovereign and which means he's in control, but not only is he in control, he's also good. And you don't want either one of those, either one of those things without the other one, right? He's in control and he's also good. And he's got a plan for our service, for our lives. And he's going to work through even the, and mostly right. Second Corinthians again, chapter 12, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. We lay down our weaknesses and say, God, everything's going wrong. Do what you want to do anyway. We're yielded to you. And so we face that. And you, Pastor Kurt, faced an even bigger challenge than the band or the tech team probably. You had a bunch of slides prepared to keep us all on track and, and videos and everything. So how did you, and, and to, to, he's probably not going to like me saying this, he was really fatigued on Sunday too, I noticed, and he didn't let anyone know that. And that's why I'm doing it now. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he doesn't like doing that. Um, 
but he was really fatigued. So he's preaching from a very present place of relying on the Lord. And, the, and, and then this all happens. And so how did you navigate Pastor Kurt? And what did you learn from all this? It drove me back to the truth of 2 Corinthians 12, mm. that God wants our weakness. Yeah, He doesn't want us to try to be slick. He wants us to try to rest and to trust. And uh, God reminded me of that. I prayed, Lord, help me. Help me to adapt, to adjust on the fly. And God is faithful. But it points to a bigger issue. What we're referring to, of course, is relatively minor. Yeah. But life isn't formulaic. There is no even routine way of getting through life unscathed. Uh, Some of those listening to us today have gone through severe illness. Maybe they've been in a car accident. Uh, Maybe they've been scarred. Uh, Frankly, you can say, why did this happen to me? And where was God? And God is sovereign. He he's in the heavens. He does as he pleases. Psalm 115 verse two. But we need to realize that he's got a purpose that's greater than the moment. He's trying to affect Christ likeness in us. Romans 8, 28, 29. So I, I think keeping our eyes on the bigger picture rather than the moment, hard to do in the moment. I confess, even for myself, I was praying hard <laughs> when it went down for you. Lord, please bring this technology back online. But Not for Paul, but for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't to be, right. at least until the very, very end after yeah. the service that almost completed. But yeah. God's ways are above our ways, and we need to yield to that and not try to demand that we have everything perfect because that's not a real picture of life. It, mm-hmm. We don't depend upon him, as you mentioned earlier. We need to, in our struggles, turn back to him and not try to impress anybody, but just rely upon his power. And then he's the one that gets the glory. Yeah. We're going to pray in just a moment as we, we close things out. I want you to speak to one thing real quick, Pastor Kurt, if you would. And it's, it's a, a quote that you gave during the message uh, that was, is very moving, especially considering the source. Um, this was a quote from Johnny Erickson Tata, who many of you know um, lost uh, basically her mobility at a very young age in a swimming accident. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I will say about her, one of the most moving worship experiences in terms of music that I've ever been a part of. I was at a conference and she was simply on the stage in her wheelchair, lifting her hands to the Lord and passionately singing mm-hmm. in praise. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see her with what she's gone through and to see her eternal perspective mm-hmm. was so moving to me. And, and and she has had that impact on many others. But this was her quote, and maybe you can speak to it uh, briefly, and then we can close our time today in prayer um, for those that are suffering right now. But this is what she said. She said, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. I'll say that again. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Maybe speak to how God works like that um, briefly, Kurt. There's a mysterious element to that. Yeah. God works all things together for good. He has allowed man free will, choosing to sin. 
He has allowed man to suffer, all for the purpose of demonstrating his greatness of glory through the gift of his son, the Lord Jesus, who went through the ultimate suffering of the cross so that you and I could be saved. I'm convinced that in the end, that's what's going to be celebrated throughout eternity is what the Lamb did on our behalf in laying down his life. That's the ultimate good. That's the ultimate expression of uh, kindness and mercy and grace toward us. So the ultimate good and the ultimate kindness and the ultimate grace came through the ultimate suffering and the ultimate injustice. Mm-hmm. Paul, before you close this in prayer, I want to just remind the invitation of Scripture to pray. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we blow right on past this, but we need to consistently be praying. Pray without ceasing an attitude of prayer. Mm-hmm. And if you're suffering today, hear God crying out to you, come to me with it, depend upon me, yield to me. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. James 5, verse 13. If any one of you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you might be healed because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It's it's crucial for us to believe that God really invites us into his throne room to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We really need to cast our burdens before the Lord And I'm going to ask you, Paul, to just pray for those listening today and in our church at large that God will help them through their suffering to turn to the Lord and rest in him. And as we cry to the Lord in prayer and remembering uh, a quote that says, as you do that, you need not cry very loud. Mm. He is nearer than you think. Oh, that's good. So let's pray. Lord, I do lift up the brothers and sisters in the sound of my voice that are struggling and suffering and going through valleys right now. God, we pray for ourselves and for them in eternal perspective. I pray that they would see the hope that is coming. They could see the light at the top of the slope of the valley that they're walking. And that light is Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen again, and that he has prepared a place for them in eternity where you are have banished tears, have mm-hmm. banished death, and have um, killed it mm-hmm. by your grace towards us on the cross. Mm-hmm. And God, that is our hope. And I pray that you would help us as a church to come alongside one another and bear the burdens of each other, fulfilling your law and giving you glory in the process. God, help us to look to the gospel, look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before you, you endured suffering so that we could be with you. Help us to have our eyes fixed on you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Our, uh, we, we continue to pray for you, our brothers and sisters. And uh, if you have um, struggles, issues, sufferings you're going through, please do feel free to reach out to us here at Sailorville Church. We want to be of help to you, uh, to point you to uh, Jesus and to help help you have the right perspective in your suffering. So we love you. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time.